The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Warren, still uncertain about what his friends have told him, decides to go on a little trip as we head to New Hope to meet an old friend. But before we do... I do need to remind you that this podcast may contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and, of course, foul language. Perhaps, if you're under the age of 13, you should do something else. Meanwhile, it is time to grab your blankets, your tentacles, and dim the lights as we head into Chapter 10. Terrence White Warren looked over to Jay with hurt in his eyes. We've been partners for a year. We've been working together for six, and you're only now telling me you were an officer on the case dealing with my parents? The mayor answered for him. Warren, I was the one who sealed away the file and forbade the chief and Jay from revealing the details about your parents' murder. Why? he asked the mayor. At the time, I was a special agent assigned to track the movements of a secret organization called the Sacred Dawn. The Sacred Dawn? Who the hell are they? Warren asked. Supposedly, they're an unseen and unheard of arm of the church, Mayor Simmons replied. Some, and here he pulled out some pictures of Terrence White and a large man who looked to be about seven feet tall. His face was always covered, but it appeared he carried a large axe on his back. Some of the members would visit your grandfather, especially just before he died. There was a flurry of activity, and that big guy? We never found any fingerprints, nor could we get a clean shot of his face. It was as if they were trying to hide him, Chief said, as he flipped through a few pages. But here, look, that's from your grandfather's funeral. In the distance, as if he was trying to blend in amongst the trees, stood a seven-foot-tall man and a boy who had been just about his own age. Now I know why the doorway to his cottage was so big, Warren said. We were able to get a good shot of that kid and track him back to his home back in Maplewood, but his parents had cleared out, and there was no information on their whereabouts. However, lo and behold, this kid turns up in a rift, and his fingerprints are all over that flower shop that burned down. Isn't that what you said the nameplate came from? Bingo. Three missing children. The one pictured here, here he highlighted the picture of the 14-year-old boy next to the large man. His name is Jonah Hollander. The other two are girls. We don't have much information on either of them. Their fingerprints match a birth certificate for a Maggie and Nicole Piper. Their parents lived in Upper Rift, but again, their house and any signs of the family were destroyed in a fire. Let me guess. About the same time as the flower shop? The mayor nodded. I lost track of everyone involved after your grandfather died. That is, until the summer your parents were brutally murdered. Terrence White, the big man, a woman I've never seen before, and that boy were in the cemetery, as well as tracks for a large beast that left behind that claw you see there. He showed Warren a picture of the damaged wall and some scorch marks. If you weren't at the cemetery, how did you get this picture? Warren asked. Jay smiled and waved. That's where I come in. 
You know, once, a long time ago, I could actually run a mile in about six and a half minutes. That day I was on patrol when the call came in about a fire on Olive Lane. I got there about the same time as the fire department. I saw your footprints and noticed that they were headed towards the bluff by Sims Divide and ran after you on foot. When I got to the cemetery, I didn't find you, but I did find those strange characters in those brown robes. They appeared to be cleaning something up. Since we are required to carry a small camera, I took it out and took several pictures. And I took those shots you see here. Warren frowned, closed his eyes, and bit back some tears. Something didn't seem right in all this. But, because he had little or no memories of anything before the flower fields, it was hard to argue what the evidence suggested. You said this man, Terrence White, teaches at the seminary in East Hope? That's right. Then Chief... I'm going to need a few days off. Warren, Jay began to object. Warren, still angry, turned to his partner and friend. Jay, I need to go, he replied. I need to see who this man is and find out about this sacred dawn. Maybe it will jog my memories. The image of the lady with feathers now burning in his mind. No, these people weren't evil. This had to be something much, much more. Then I'm coming. Again, Warren cut him off. No, you're not. I need to do this on my own, and not for nothing, Jay. I need you to watch my back while I'm gone. Just in case Karen goes into early labor or something. Jay fell silent. Okay, Warren, Chief said. You deserve that. Dr. Giles, I do have one additional question. Sure, what is it? Did you ever identify what that fingernail or claw belongs to? No, Warren. We listed it as a bear attack, he replied. I honestly have no clue what that thing belongs to. I know it's against regulations, but... Frank handed him the claw in the bag. You want to ask him directly, huh? Yes. I want to make sure he can't weasel his way out of an answer. They ordered another round of drinks and Warren as Jay figured, didn't get home until almost 2 a.m. He looked up at the cold January sky and admired the stars. A light came on, and Karen, wrapped in a heavy robe, opened the door for him. Hey, she said. Hey, didn't I tell you not to wait up? He playfully scolded her. Yes, but I couldn't sleep. She yawned, smiled, and gave him a warm hug. They sat down in the kitchen next to the counter, and Warren went over everything he learned from old man Ben's death to his grandfather, the mysterious people called the Sacred Dawn, and the missing children. And Jay believes these people are responsible for what's going on now? Yeah, but Karen, it doesn't sit right. Look, I know you may not like the idea, but tomorrow, I'm heading to East Hope. I want to meet this Terrence White and see what he has to say. No, Warren. I want you to go, she smiled, even though a few tears rolled down her face. You deserve some answers. Little Jack and I want to know, too. Thanks, Karen. You're the best. He arrived at the seminary on February 1st. The air was brutally cold, and the grounds around several large buildings were covered in snow. He walked down a cobblestone path towards a cathedral made of blue stone. The path was lined with barren trees, and several benches sat in between streetlights. Sticking out of the snow about fifty feet in rose a half a dozen picnic tables. 
He paused. This is the place he saw the image of the cloaked man before he passed out at the cottage. He remembered he was trying to tell him something, pointing. He had been pointing in the direction of the frozen fountain, where the statue of an angel, wings spread, stood looking towards heaven. He stepped off the path and walked towards it, and read the inscription, In memory of our beloved friend, Jack Stevens. Rather cold to be standing out in the snow, isn't it, young man? He turned. It was a tall man in a thick parker, leaning on a cane and staring at him. I guess it is, Warren replied. Did you know him? Who? Jack Stevens. To be honest, I'm not sure, but he was my grandfather. Warren responded, and the man's face erupted with a huge smile. Warren? Thank the word, the man said. Come, come, out of the snow. I just finished my classes, and I would love to hear all about you. Do I know you? Warren asked, and the man cocked his head. Well, he pulled down his hood. It was one of the men in the pictures Frank Giles had shown him, although obviously older. It has been a long time, but you should remember me. I'm Terrence White. They moved from the snowy field in the fountain towards a side building. It looked more like a dormitory than anything else. 40 foot high and about 250 feet long, windows lined each floor in rows of 15, and it was made of the same blue stone as the cathedral. They entered a small office. My apartment is just beyond this, or would you prefer meeting out here? Out here. Terrence pointed to a large red leather chair in front of his desk and opened a decanter. Something to take off the chill? Sure. Ice? Neat? Neat, please, Warren replied, watching the man's every move. Terrence sat down on the edge of the desk. So, what brings you here? Warren pulled out the long black claw. I see. Do you know what that is? Before I answer, have you been in touch with Jonah yet? Who? Then he remembered the boy from the picture. No. No, I haven't met this Jonah yet. Hmm, that's very troubling. I thought he went to Montgomery in late November. Now, Mr. White, what is this thing? Warren pressed the man. It belonged to a demon, a creature called Aglantros. On the day we lost track of you, it had managed to escape the waste and return to the Earth realm, where catching wind of your specific lineage, it attacked your household, killing your mother and father. A demon? Look, Mr. White, I don't believe in that nonsense. I'm not even sure there's a god or whatever you call him out, don't I? Terrence went quiet. I find this hard to believe, especially knowing your grandfather. From what I've been told, my parents kept me away from him because he, you, and your associates were devil. Before he knew it, the man had slapped Warren across the face. Warren stood up in absolute disgust and anger, but Terrence pointed at the chair. Sit back down, Warren. I may be old, but I can kick your ass from here to sundown. The man's eyes blazed as he spoke to Warren and Warren sat back down. I don't know what happened to you, but I won't have you slander your grandfather. He began to tell Warren of the man Jack Stevens, who, when as a boy, stumbled upon an angel in distress. It was battling a monstrous creature. It had torn off one of its wings. Jack, without thought or safety, jumped into the fray and giving the angel a chance to defend itself. However, it cost Jack his life. It was then that Aldone, out of love for Jack, restored his life and gave him the strength and powers of an angel. 
Jack, after 300 years, had grown tired, opened up a cafe, settled down, and had a family, and taught the next generation of what you would call exorcist, the sacred dawn. Your parents, afraid that one day Jack's enemies would track and find them and you, kept their distance. None of us suspected that the very scent of your blood would be the way they track you. Warren stared at him. It was a lot to take in. He looked at the claw on the table. Then, from what you're telling me, yes. If that creature is back, you, your wife, and unborn son are in danger. Mr. White, how do I fight something like this? Well, that's where I'm concerned. As I sent someone to Montgomery back in November, I think I better get back there as soon as possible. Yes, and when all this is done, I would like to try to figure out what caused your memory loss? A tap came out the window. A large crow sat on the ledge. Can you excuse me for a few minutes? He opened the window, and the crow flew in and landed on his shoulder. He took the crow into his private apartment, and after about 20 minutes, re-emerged. Well, I have good news and bad news. Okay, what? My contact has finally turned up. He ran into something that he didn't expect. Okay, and... And he's been arrested by your police department. Ah. Yes, it seems that your Jay Moran is very astute, and while Jonah was investigating the winter residence, arrested him on the spot. Then I really need to get back. Yes. Should I accompany you? No, I'm pretty sure I can handle this. Warren. Yes. Be careful of Iglantros. If he's managed to return from the waste again... He may have had help, and if that's the case, that may explain why Jonah was delayed. Warren shook the man's hand and grabbed the claw and headed out of the dormitory and to his car. He got on the phone and immediately called Jay. It went directly to voicemail. Jay, it's Warren. I'm on my way back. I should be home by tomorrow night. In the meanwhile, do me a favor. Keep everyone away from the winter residence. And please keep an extra set of eyes on Karen. He started the car and made one last call. Hey, Karen. Hi, honey. Headed home? Yeah. Things good? Yes, fine. Good. I love you. And I'll see you tomorrow night. So, Warren learns the truth about his grandfather. He also learns that his family may be in terrible, terrible danger. Hearing this and that the Jonah person has been arrested, he decides to head back home. And we? We head to Chapter 11. But before we sign off, let me wish you all a wonderful, healthy, and happy Thanksgiving. Me and my tentacles pray for your fatness so that the harvest may be plentiful this season. <laughs> we will be taking the next Tuesday off so that the idiot, I mean writer, can visit with his family. We will return on Tuesday, December 6th for St. Nicholas Day and, of course, Tentacle Tuesday. I wonder what type of cookies Santa will leave in my stockings. Happy Thanksgiving and take care.